This podcast is brought to you by the Eisner-nominated Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. Hacha! Hi, this is Frank Cho of Savage Wolverine and Liberty Meadows, and you're listening to the Two-Headed Nerd Comic Cast with Joe and Matt. Thank you. Sort of break it, break it down like good. But, but I don't give a crap about Aaron Meyer's podcast. I'm here to talk about mine. Welcome to episode 126 of THN, where we're talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, July 31st. My name is Matt Baum, and you can find me at, at Matt Baumstein on the Twitter. And when I'm not hounding George Perez for that homoerotic sketch of Karate Kid and Timberwolf and hoping it arrives in time for my best buddy's birthday, I write the Comic Speculator blog for WorkPoint.com. Aaron Myers, I care about your podcast. That's why I brought it up. And I'm Joe Patrick. That's at JoePatrick116 on the Twitter. And when I'm not shirking my birthday duties of choosing a new and exciting segment for this week and thereby ruining this week's episode. False! I did choose a segment, and you're going to love it. You did a terrible job. I'm the manager of Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and the artist slash co-creator of Good Plus, which you can find at goodpluscomic.com. In this week's episode, you'll hear our reviews of Collider number 1 and Batman Incorporated number 13. After that... We'll review 10 of this week's comics faster than Riley Cooper can get killed by his teammates in the Eagles locker room during the ludicrous speed round. Then we'll visit... T- Too soon. We'll visit the THN Sanctum Sanctorum. He's not really dead, is he? <laughs> no, he's not dead. He's the guy that went to the Kenny Chesney show, sleeveless, and... I got nothing. Drop the N-bomb on a Ooh. security guard because <laughs> he wouldn't let him backstage. Then we'll visit the THN Sanctum Sanctorum where the collector is enjoying his new fame and fortune and sipping Covassier while telling us the secrets of next week's comics. And finally, the comic pushers make a special birthday appearance and Joe Patrick tackles his most difficult rhyme yet. Yes! But... Before we pitch our idea for an Amanda Bynes Lindsay Lohan pay per view death match, let's take a moment to wish my man Joey P a very happy birthday and spank his big bottom 32 times? 35 times. 35 times. And then we'll talk about this week's big news. 32. Where did you get that number? I don't know. I couldn't remember how old you were. God, friendship. According to a report from The Independent, director Zack Snyder may be looking in a familiar direction for help with his upcoming Superman vs. Batman film. Legendary writer, artist, and lunatic Frank Miller (laughs) plans to consult with Snyder on the project. Don't forget racist. Yeah. (laughs) Of course, Miller wrote and drew the iconic scene from Dark Knight Returns, which actor Harry Lennox read during the film's Comic-Con announcement. The Independent cites a source, quote, close to Miller. So we can probably take this one with an entire shaker full of salt, but what if? Matt, can this possibly be a good idea? I mean, I don't have an issue with him talking to Frank Miller about this stuff, and Frank Miller has a really good eye for art direction. He does not make good movies. The Spirit was a terrible movie, no, but it looked so bad. really, really cool. It, uh, it looked very Sin City, but it right. looked very cool. Now, I mean, if he's just trying to get into the guy's head a little bit and maybe they are working towards... I I still don't think that's what it is at all. For the record, this is not going to be a Dark Knight Returns movie. It's not. No, no, no. It won't be Batman as an old man. And I'm guessing Batman and Superman fight for every bit of 10 minutes before they're like, oh, wait a minute. Sure. Eclipso is eating the dam or something, you know? Like, I don't know. (laughs) But I don't see any harm in this. Other than the fact that I don't care if Frank Miller ever gets any news coverage again because he's a jackass, a drunk, and a racist. But other than that, (laughs) I don't think it's such a bad thing. I don't know. This makes me very nervous. Like, Snyder and Miller have worked before to... uh, A little... 
Snyder and Miller have worked together before, obviously, on 300. Sure. But I just, I don't know if I want Frank Miller consulting on any comic book projects ever. Well, you don't have to worry about him having anything to say in a Hollywood project ever again because he lost his ass for the studio. So, <laughs> In small screen news, Showtime may have passed on adding John Layman's Chew to their original series roster, which is possibly a good thing, seeing as the rumor was they were planning on reworking the story into a more serious police procedural starring a white character instead of the Asian detective Tony Chu. Because it's his name and the title of the book. Get uh, it? Yeah. So you can have a white guy? It's, it doesn't make any sense. Dumb. According to Hollywood Reporter, Quality Transmedia, the same company that is working on the Peter Panzerfaust series for BBC, is planning an animated adaptation of, the, of Chew and possibly a live action version. Over on the Twitter, John Lehman said, quote, We think there is less of a chance for Hollywood to f*** it up if we pursue a chew animated route and he also went on to tweet a chew cartoon does not negate live action down the line pretty damn cool yeah and it sounds very similar to what's going on with peter Panzerfaust. they're doing sort of an animated motion comic thing and then we're getting a bbc live action series joe are you hoping for a white guy in the cartoon no man i hate white guys that's right i hate white good people. answer we got asian peeps no um I think a Chew cartoon is probably a way better direction. I love like, it. Can you imagine a Chew cartoon, like a full-on Chew animated series, like in the style of Rob Gillard? That's what art? they've got to do. They've got to capture that. Ugh. And With chogs everywhere. Because, like, honestly, I just... And Poyo kicking guys' heads off. Yeah, I don't know if, if this works as a live-action series. They would have made it work, and it would have been fine, but... Chew is so over the top that I think it works better in, yeah. in, as an animated series. I think the magic is way better if it's animated. I mean, like like Axe Cops getting an animated that, show, and I just watched the sneak preview for it. It was great. Yeah. Imagine if they tried to do that live action. You oh, know? right. Axe yeah. Cop is not that far removed in offbeat <laughs> wackiness from Chew, you know? I mean, take a, take a, a Chew animated series done right, put that shit on Adult Swim. I'm in. And forget about 100%. it. 100%. Oh, in. God. Yeah. Man, now I really want it to happen. I know. Finally, Deadline has reported that the CW has tasked the brain trust behind their hit series, Arrow, to develop a new show based on The Flash. Barry Allen will be the central character of the show, which will reside firmly within the Arrowverse. In fact, Allen will appear in several season two episodes of Arrow before spinning out into his own show. All of the episodes featuring Barry Allen will be written by Arrow creators Greg Berlanti and Andrew Kreisberg, alongside longtime Flash writer Jeff Johns. According to Johns, fans don't have to worry about the Flash being as dark as Arrow. He'll be the character we know and love, including the codename, the powers, the costume, the whole deal. Now, how Arrow will work the Flash concept into its world devoid of actual superhumans remains to be seen. Matt, the CW has burned us before. Do you think there's any hope that this could actually be good? Zero. I have no hope for Zero? this whatsoever. <sighs> Zero. And everybody got all excited when Jeff Johns came and wrote some episodes of Smallville. And remember, they suck. Some of them are good. No, they yeah, weren't the good. The Legion of Superheroes episode is good. Oh, it's dumb. The JSA episode is not so good. Horrible. Yeah. And I mean, and I don't blame Jeff Johns for getting some TV money. Good for him, man. Pay the bills. I get it. But I don't care about this at all. I do not care. Arrow is the furthest thing from the Green Arrow, from any Green Arrow television series I would like to see. And I can only assume that they know what we like. So they're going to give us a Flash series in the same vein. You know, like, 
But the thing is that Andrew Kreisberg is a comic book guy. He's written comics. Name one comic you like that he wrote. I can't name any comics that he wrote right now. You know why? Because he wrote bad comics. (laughs) (laughs) But it's not. My point is that he knows the world, right? So does Jeff Johns. But they're working for a bigger monster. You're working for. CW is Warner Brothers. I get that. What I'm saying is you're working for the entertainment division. And as far as I can tell, the entertainment division doesn't even know that they print comic books. I don't know. I, part of me still gets that Do you little remember tingle? last week on this very show where I discussed, pardon me, this has been on the answer of the week, where I discussed your debilitating disease of hearing and seeing little well, snippets of was, television shows or movies. Last week was the answer of the week. <laughs> yes. We pulled it into the show. You're doing it again. I know. Listen, <laughs> part of me just, like, I want to like it. I want to believe it would I'm be not, good. I'm not saying I'll I won't like it I'll be the first person to good. tell you that it's bad yeah, when if, it's bad. If it's good, I'll turn right around and say, hooray, I was wrong. But I don't want them to not try and at least they've got some comic book people I want them driving it. I want them to not try in the Arrowverse. And the Jeff Johns quote about him being in the costume with the code name and the powers and the whole deal makes me a little bit more hopeful as opposed to if somebody pitched Arrow and he said, well, yeah, he runs around in a green hoodie, but nobody calls him Green Arrow and he kills people. Right. I would have been like, maybe don't do that. He's a serial killer. <laughs> I would have been like, maybe don't do that show. Yeah. But... I, I just don't care, and I have no faith in this. No faith. Do not fail me, Jeff Johns. Good luck. This is your last chance. And that's not exactly what I had in mind. That's the big news for this week. If you want to discuss these stories or anything you think we missed, hit us up on Facebook, where I'll be posting a list of Joe Patrick's Movies that he was most excited for that turned out to be complete pieces of crap. But did I hate them? Yeah. That's the question. A lot of them. Should we talk about Transformers? Should we talk about Transformers 2? Should we talk about Transformers 3? You got excited for all three, man. I never saw Transformers 3, to be fair. (laughs) And I kind of liked Transformers 1. No, stop that. (laughs) No. Each week, the woefully impressionable Joe Patrick posts our question of the week on our Facebook and Twitter. You're woefully impressionable. And then you guys email, tweet, and call us with your answers. And we love it when you do. Joe Patrick, what are we asking these nerds this week? This week's question was, what comic book properties do you think would work better as TV shows instead of films? If you want to hear your answers along with our own, good news! The answer of the week will magically appear in the podcast subscription service of your choice. Because we've added it to our regular RSS feed, it's twice the THN and no less than two times the fun. We checked the math. That is correct. And we want reasons. We want reasons. We want scripts. Give us some stuff. Don't just throw out a name. Tell us why you think it'd work. Tell us what you want to see. That's stuff right. like that. Give us an answer. Yeah. Let's rap about it. That's right. It's like a test. You have to show your work. It's not a test. It's more like fun. You know. Well, right. But you know what I mean. <laughs> it's like homework. This is why Joe doesn't do the writing. <laughs> it's, like, it's like homework. You have to explain. It's like going to court. You have to explain where you were on the night of August it's like 1st. trying to get into the Baseball Hall of Fame. It's really hard. It's review time on THN where Matt and I invite two comics to join us in the private booth for a lap dance and then decide whether or not we're tipping them. Hey-o. We're good tippers, though. Matt, what are you reading this week? This week, 
I Read Collider, number one from DC Vertigo. This is written by Simon Oliver with art and badass cover by Robbie Rodriguez. Here's your solicit. It started small, temporary gravity failures, time reversal, loops, entropy reversals. I don't even know what that means. With much fanfare, a new government agency was formed with a mandate to prevent and protect. Its official title, the Federal Bureau of Physics, which is just so cool. Humans, if nothing else, adapted to changing parameters of their existence. What was extraordinary soon became ordinary, a part of people's daily lives. They move on and do what people have always done, survive. But even that new status quo is now under threat. Things are getting worse, and it falls to the special agent Adam Hardy and his FBP team to figure out what's going on. Before it's too late! I am a huge fan of highbrow sci-fi, and the premise of Collider doesn't get much bigger and highbrow in scope. In short, the basic rules of physics seem to be breaking down in small areas, and the father of our main character, Agent Hardy, may have predicted the phenomenon years ago. I was not familiar with either Oliver or Rodriguez's work, but the two have been pretty active in the comics world since 2006. Oliver most notably wrote the Exterminator series for Vertigo with pencils by Tony Moore. That one lasted about 30 issues, and I remember liking that. Rodriguez has been both inking and penciling since 2005, and he's done a bunch of fill-in stuff, most recently for the New Mutants book and Uncanny X-Force. But this looks like his first primary series artist job, and if he can maintain a monthly schedule, he is going to be a very big name soon. His art feels very animated and loose when it needs to be, especially in the scenes where Hardy is being pulled into this gravity well. But he can also be very straightforward and concise, even with an extremely thin-lined style. He, he reminds me sort of Scotty Young meets Paul Pope with a little bit of Sean Phillips sprinkled on top. The colors here by Rico... What a bunch of nonsense. <laughs> it's true. Just said. The colors here by Rico Renzi are amazing. The two work very well together in what would still probably be very impressive, even if it was just in black and white. But... They have this warm, almost cartoon, like Don Bluth cartoon-style coloring. Yeah, the coloring is really good. Yeah, the, there's pages that almost look like animation cells. I love the choice of the bright pinks and purples when we see the Agent Hardy going into, like, falling into this gravity well. Really cool. It gives the experience just this otherworldly feel without having to really overdraw anything. It's basically the character floating in these swirls of pink and purple that just look completely otherworldly. Oliver, the writer, does a fantastic job on hitting readers with this immense premise that he could have just drowned us with details, but instead he very organically lets the story unfold, slipping us little tiny personal glimpses of the characters so we have just enough to be interested in them. I loved this story, and I'm really interested to see where it goes. My only complaint would be that DC should go back to the Vertigo number one for $1, so more readers might take a chance on this one. Because yeah, it and, is and retailers, for that matter. And because, retailers, too. I mean, I'll be real honest with you. Legend did not order a ton of these, because no. who has heard of Simon Oliver and Robbie Rodriguez? Right, and it's a really no weird offense, premise. Guys. Now, I will say they did an amazing job. I'm saying this is the best cover of the week. If you walk down the wall, you cannot help but see this one if your shop ordered it. Huge buy it for me on this one. I feel really bad because I read this. I don't know if it was way too late at night and I was too tired or if I was in a bad mood or what. 
<laughs> I read this comic. I remember all the pages, and I remember putting it down. Okay. What I don't remember is having any sort of reaction to it whatsoever. Wow. In the good or the negative. I really liked it. I know. And so did everybody. And I'm saying the fault is mine. I need to reread it. And so I feel like I should abstain from rating it. Really? <laughs> because I did read it, is but... It, is this a dummy thing? Is that what it is? A what? No. Okay. No, 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 no. You're not being a dummy? No. I just, <laughs> I, I read it, and I don't know, like, maybe I zoned out, or I was just trying so hard to get through my stack for this week's show, that I didn't give it the attention it deserves, and okay. I need to read it again. Okay. Alert. <laughs> and, <laughs> and unpressured by deadlines, because... I felt nothing, and it wasn't because it wasn't well done. I recognized that it was very well done. Yeah, man. I just was like, I don't care. I don't want to think about this anymore right now. I want to go to bed. I'm, put it, I'm putting it down. Yeah, I think you're taking your life out on Absolutely, Kalaga. and that's why I'm not giving it a, a rating. Okay, that's fair. Um, I did read it. I will say this. The artwork, like something I can judge just by looking Amazing. at it. Is phenomenal. Yeah, I love this. The guy. artwork is phenomenal. And I went back and found uh, the X Uncanny X Force issue he did. That was totally great too. Yeah, it was even I remember that more wackadoo than this, but really, really was, cool. Those the that was the issue where they were in other world. Right? Yeah, and Phantom X was being tried. Yeah. Oh man, it was good. It's it's gorgeous to look at. I'm abstaining from rating it. I want to read it again. I didn't give it the. I didn't give it its due. And so. Well, the good news is... I apologize for falling down on the job. You chose to read and review something that's real lowbrow, easy to follow. <laughs> Joe Patrick, what did you read? The difference is I read it like <laughs> hours before bedtime. <laughs> My review for this week is Batman Incorporated, number 13, from DC Comics, written by Grant Morrison with art by Chris Burnham. Here is your very concise solicit. Batman saves the world and loses everything. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. So this is it. The final issue of Grant Morrison's seven-year run on Batman. Does it wrap up everything in a satisfying way or leave the reader with more questions than answers? The answer is a little bit of both, honestly. In this issue, Leviathan is making its final assault on everything Batman cares about, but even in the face of overwhelming odds, the Dark Knight manages to stay several steps ahead of everyone. Morrison's script is so dense, it feels like four comics crammed into 20 pages, but I never really felt lost or overwhelmed. I attribute that to Morrison's skill as a storyteller, but also to the amazing art by Chris Burnham. He's so good, right? Yeah, uh, man. The way Burnham lays out each page and packs every panel full of detail makes Morrison's story flow beautifully, and the art is served very well by great colors by Nathan Fairbairn. What Burnham's art can't improve, unfortunately, are the moments when Morrison's script dips into indecipherable nonsense, as his, writing, as his writing is prone to do sometimes. But those moments are few and far between in this issue. I didn't think they were painful either. There was no, a no, no, couple no, no. where like they, I said, few and far they started waxing poetic, but I thought it worked. Sure. You know? When I finished the issue, I felt immensely satisfied, as one might after finishing the last volume in an epic novel series. Or watching, you know, the last movie in a grand movie trilogy or sure, something. Sure, sure. Morrison leaves plenty of his toys behind for future writers, and in my mind at least, he definitively answers the question, does Commissioner Gordon know? Yeah, and I really I liked love that. It. I, I love really it. liked how he handled it. 
Reading the last seven years of Grant Morrison's Batman have been like reading the craziest Silver Age stories while taking the trippiest drugs, I assume. I think it's (laughs) safe to say that he's left the world of Batman a lot more interesting than he found it. This is a big, huge buy it from me. The first thing that hit me when I finished this was how much I'm going to miss him on this book. Yeah. Now, and I don't, the only complaint I have, and it's absolutely not Grant Morrison's fault. This does not feel like it takes place anywhere near the rest no. of the DC universe. Grant Morrison, I feel, is crafting <laughs> his own continuity, and you know yeah. what? I'm fine with that. And as I have a, a standalone feeling, Batman story. Like the whole Batman Incorporated and all this, I have a feeling this week he had just planned to just run this through Batman and DC went, no, 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 we should give you your own book and so on and so forth and whatever. And that's part of maybe why a lot of this seemed disjointed or got weird or people didn't know when it was taking place. You just had to go into this saying, I'm going to have fun with Grant Morrison and Batman. This is going to be completely wild. Mm -hmm. Not to mention, you have the amazing talent of Chris Burnham, who is so, it's so strange because there's like panels that I look at and I'll think, God, that almost looks rough. Like a kid drew it. Mm -hmm. And then the next thing, there's so much motion and like a guy getting punched or the way he draws Nightwing flipping around and stuff. Just incredible. The guy's yeah. incredible, and I love what they did here. I'm really going to miss Grant Morrison on Batman. Gigantic buy it from me. Grant Morrison's run, like when you hold, when somebody reads, there will be two two big hardcovers. I presume. Oh, they're better. Batman be. and Inco- yeah, Incorporated, Grant Morrison right? Omnibus. There'll be the there'll be the volume one, which is already out of the first volume of Batman Incorporated, and then the volume collecting these. I want everything. I want Grant Morrison's Batman. <laughs> sure. But when people sit down and read these stories, no one will give two about whether or not they take place in the New 52 no. or the pre-reboot no. universe. No. They stand on their own and as just wonderful Batman stories. And that's just crap that nerds like you and me yell about. It's true. Really. Nobody cares about that crap. Most guys just want to go in and read their Batman comics. Yeah, it's true. And this, some of the best Batman stuff I've ever read. Absolutely. Loved it. Absolutely. Thanks for the memory of sentimental verse. So that's a single buy it for Collider number one and a double buy it for Batman Incorporated number 13. Of course, we want to know what you science cops and bat peeps thought of these comics, so be sure to tip your topless bartender and hit us with your opinions at the comments section for this episode at twoheadednerd.com. I think that's against health code. I don't think they can bartend topless. Probably not. Yeah. Sadly, dudes can. Double standards. Tell me about it. Man. Sorry, ladies. Thanks a lot, Obama. I'm on your side. Thank you. Thank you so much. The Living Laser is not a guy you call when you need a groomsman for your wedding, but I'll tell you what. Dude gets things done fast, and just when I thought I'd never read everything Joe Patrick demanded of me in time, I called in a favor from Tony Stark's enemy and found myself on the piggyback ride of a lifetime. So place your little hand in mine, and join Joe and I as we ride a man at the speed of light while we review ten comics during this week's Ludicrous Speed Round. Ludicrous Speed, go! Optic Nerve number 13 from Drawn and Quarterly. Adrian Tomine's Optic Nerve never comes out, ever. It doesn't. In fact, I can't remember the last time I even saw it on the racks. I think it's been like two years. Luckily, each issue of the series is completely self-contained. This issue contains two stories, brilliantly written and drawn, funny, distressing, heartwarming, and heartbreaking. I loved it. 
buy it. I also love Optic Nerd. It's amazing. Ah, it's wonderful. Tom Strong and the Planet of Peril, number one from DC slash Vertigo. Tom is back and artist Chris Sprouse is too. I don't know why this guy is sentenced to draw only Tom Strong comics, but it's great to see him in action again. This picks up right where the last series left off, which could be a bad move for new readers. I did not read it because but of that. I loved it. It was a ton of fun. Screw you, Alan Moore. Buy it. Peter Hogan wrote it, by the way. Peter Hogan wrote this one. It was really He's good. He's written several of the other. Took me right back. And there was some really fun meta stuff dealing with, like, the Terra Obscura series, which is, like, the last thing to come out, where Tom Strong is talking about how there's comics that detail what goes on on this other planet on Earth, and they don't know why. <laughs> it's really cool. It's like the old uh, DC where the comic creators were creating stories of Earth 2. Yeah. And they didn't really know it. Sort of like that. Three Guns, number one, from Boom Studios. Just like I did with Bad Boys 2 some years ago, I was hoping I could just jump into this sequel story without experiencing the original. You were lost in Bad Boys 2? No. (laughs) Unfortunately, this story treads heavily on the original, now a major motion picture, without much explanation. It's not rocket science, though, so if you're in the mood for an over-the-top crime story with serviceable art, you shouldn't have too much trouble catching up. I'm giving it a skin it. Captain Midnight, number one from Dark Horse. A good way to not get me interested in the character would be to have him almost not appear at all in his first issue, and that's exactly what happens here. Nice art by Fernando Dagnino, but the story was boring, and it did not hook me. I have no opinion of Captain Midnight, whether he's cool or not, because we barely met him. Leave it. Wolverine in the flesh, one shot from Marvel. Words cannot sufficiently describe... This ridiculous team-up between Wolverine and celebrity chef Chris Cosentino. He is a real person. I understand. Cosentino is the only person in a world full of superheroes that can help Wolverine track down a cannibalistic serial killer. The weird thing is that aside from some obvious pandering, it's not the worst. What? It's not the worst. Not the worst. Really? In fact, even the art is pretty decent. It's just such a weird... Thing for Marvel to put out. All I can do is ask why. First you become a Top Chef Master, then you break into comics. That's how it goes. Skim it. Skyward, number one for Action Lab. This was kind of weird, and I thought I was reading an all-ages sort of Conan fantasy-type story where a little dude witnesses the death of his parents and goes on an adventure and then ultimately gets revenge, but it was kind of violent. It's sort of weird. It was also pretty predictable, a little forced at times, but not bad art by Jeremy Dale, giving it a skim it. Flash Annual number two from DC. This issue tells the New 52 version of the first meeting of Barry Allen and Hal Jordan, and it's actually a lot of fun. It is very simplistic in the storytelling, but the art by Sammy Bassery is fantastic. I really like him, Love too. that guy. The $4.99 price point, though, will probably sting, so skim it, considering it's just a one-off that isn't essential to the ongoing title. Remember when annuals weren't punishment? Remember that? This wasn't punishment. It's just, look, it's a $5 one-shot. We so. get so excited. I know. Guardians of the Galaxy, number five from Marvel. Angela makes her first Guardians appearance and fights Gamora on the moon. Mantis shows up, and artist Sarah Pacelli draws her so cute, I could barely stand it. This is such a great series. I love how Bendis is handling Tony Stark and Rocket Raccoon's banter. Buy this. It's so good. Captain Marvel, number 14 from Marvel. This is the conclusion of the five-part Enemy Within crossover between Captain Marvel and Avengers Assemble, and I really enjoyed the story. Not so much the frequent and inconsistent art changes. This plagued the whole crossover, not just this issue. 
This may or may not actually resolve the ongoing saga of Captain Marvel's health problems, but it does end with the promise of a new status quo going forward. Binary's coming back. Love binary. (laughs) The art situation isn't ideal, but this issue was great, and the series deserves more attention. I'm giving it a buy it. I like to think that Kelly Sue DeConnick is like a complete diva. Nobody can work with her. She's like, no, no, no. No, please in this bitch. But she's not. (laughs) She's not at all. She's She's the sweetest. Indestructible Hulk number 11 from Marvel. Crazy cover here by Mukech Singh, who I've never heard of. Mateo Scalera is on the internal art, and he is awesome, as usual. Writer Mark Wade does a fantastic job, as usual, as well, gently letting the plot guide the Green Goliath into time travel. This Hulk comic is excellent, and you should all be reading it. Buy it. Did you see the Hulk variant cover? The time travel variant where Hulk is scrawling his name on the Declaration of Independence. No, it's all great. It's hilarious. Wham! That is your ludicrous speed round, and wham is the sound of Maria Hill punching Bruce Banner in the face to force a Hulk out, as seen in this week's Indestructible Hulk, number 11. With the recent announcements surrounding the upcoming Guardians of the Galaxy film, the Collector has become instantly famous, and it seems that fame has gone to his head. Just the other night, we had to bring the drunken and sleeveless Tan Lear Tyvan back to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum to mellow out. After throwing his cavassier in the face of a mutant security guard at a Dazzler concert when he was refused backstage entrance. After his now internet famous anti mutant racist rant, we settled him down by talking about next week's comics, which he, of course, already has in his collection. He's the collector. He's Benicio del Toro. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Matt. What comic are you excited to collect next week? Next week, I'm all pumped up for Trillium, number one, written and drawn by Jeff Lemire. Here's your solicit. It's the year 3797, and botanist Nika Temsmith is researching a strange species in a remote science station near the outermost rim of colonized space. It's the year 1921, and renowned English explorer William Pike leads an expedition into the dense jungles of Peru in search of the fabled Lost Temple of the Incas, an elusive sanctuary said to have strange healing properties. Two disparate souls separated by thousands of years and hundreds of millions of miles, yet they will fall in love and as a result, bring about the end of the universe. I'm not even going to read the rest of this because it just gets weirder and weirder. If you like Sweet Tooth, you like Jeff Lemire, and you want more from him, this is Jeff Lemire doing sci-fi. I can't wait. Joe Patrick, what are you reading here? My pick is Sidekick, number one, from Image Comics by J. Michael Straczynski. And Tom Mandrake. Joe's Comics, right? It's, a Joe, it's Joe's Comics' second offering. Oh, yeah. Here's your solicit. Witness a modern hero's fall from grace! The Cowl and Flyboy, renowned superhero and sidekick despite dopey names. They were famous, popular, and happy until the Cowl's assassination. Ooh. Now, no one takes Flyboy seriously. Follow his trajectory from barely tolerated hero to figure of ridicule and witness his slow descent into madness, darkness, and crime. It's like Breaking Bad with a sidekick. With superheroes. I know, right? <laughs> wow. <laughs> it, I don't know. I love Tom Mandrake. I do too. I've always loved Tom and Mandrake. And this sounds like something he would excel on. And I think this sounds like a lot of fun. I love superhero deconstruction stories I too. too. 
And Straczynski is hit or miss, but when he's working on his own stuff, it's usually a hit. Yeah, definitely. So I think this is going to be really fun. The THN trade of the week for next week goes to Thor by Walter Simonson, Volume 1. As you know, well, it's back in print. And as you know, I'm a huge fan of Walter Simonson's Thor. If you have not read it, I suggest you go and pick this up. It's $29.99. It's huge. It's thick. It's a ton of fun. The only thing that worries me is it's recolored. And it kind of bugs me when they recolor this stuff. I wish they just printed again. That's not to say that it's not going to look good. We shall see. I'm going to peek at it. But I already have all that stuff, so I'm not going to play it. You haven't read it? You should. So disregard everything he just (laughs) said. Of course, we want to know what you're looking forward to next week. So be sure to tell us what comics you're excited for. And if you've got the number for a good racial sensitivity counselor over at our Facebook page, that's facebook.com forward slash two-headed nerd. Hey, and click like while you're there. We could use a few more likes. Yeah, uh, likes are good, right? What? Rocking my peers, I'm putting gamers in fear Making the tears rain down like a bad dune Listen to the boom to go boom explosion Overpowering, overrival us Yes, I'm towering, wrecking their shops When I drop comic knowledge that'll make them call the cops Don't you dare stare, you better move Don't ever compare me to the rest That'll all get sliced and diced Diamond Comics paying the price Boom! Uh, lyrics by Matt Baum, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> that was excellent. Totally excellent. And when Joe Patrick raps like that, it means the comic pushers are back in town to make new comic junkies out of some poor fool. This week, a crack lip, broken tooth junkie named Brian DuPont writes, What's a good place to start on Hellboy? <laughs> It was in all caps. <laughs> he gave it to us via Twitter. And it's a good question. It is a good question. There, and there's a couple of ways to answer this, truthfully. There's a Hellboy Library editions that, D, that Dark Horse is putting out. Oh, yeah. That are and they're nice. Absolutely gorgeous. Totally affordable. And I'm pretty sure they're all still in print. I think well. they are. Because they understand that it's good for business to keep that stuff in print. It's a gigantic, oversized hardcover. Absolutely beautiful. And I think they're about 55 bucks each, right? They're $49.99 each. $49.99 each. And within each volume, you get the equivalent of at least two, maybe three trades worth of material. Oh, yeah. Easily. And extra stuff, sketches, notes. uh, They have letter columns and stuff in them. Mm -hmm. Great, great hardcover. Because here is the real answer, Brian. A good place to start with Hellboy is at the beginning. Well, but that's not the only answer. But there are other places. Yeah. I mean, I would argue that each Hellboy miniseries, aside from maybe the last three, which were kind of a trilogy, where that led to his death. Yeah. Spoiler spoiler alert. Well, yeah. (laughs) Before that, all the other miniseries were really self-contained. I think that any series, I think any series that takes place in the past is fair game for Hellboy. They were really self-contained. And did they touch on stuff from the past? Yes, absolutely. But it was nothing that was impenetrable, that you wouldn't know, that you Mm -hmm. wouldn't understand. And they cite exactly where it came from. If anything, I think we're eating those, like picking up like the Wolves of St. August or picking up uh, the left hand of doom or whatever. It's just going to make you want to... Well, that was the very first one, the right I guess. Hand, it's the right hand of doom. The right hand of doom, sorry. 
The first one is uh, Seed of Destruction. Seed of Destruction. It's volume one. It's the introduction to Hellboy. But I would up, definitely read that, but oh, you don't yeah. necessarily have to read all you know, 12 or 13 trades or however many there are. I mean, if you don't want to, you don't have to. Because like I said, Mignola and Arcudi and Christopher Golden, who were the primary writers on all this Hellboy stuff, they really did a great job making it accessible to anyone that picked it up that just wants to read a good horror comic. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to want to read more. Yes, and... I will say that I've been reading Hellboy for 10 years, and Matt's been reading him longer than me. Since he started. And I still forget stuff. It's an ongoing saga. Oh, it's thick. But unlike something like the X-Men, you don't really need to know, when did they reveal that Cable is Cyclops' kid again? Right, right, right. And right. I thought that guy died. When yeah, did he you come don't, back? It's not about that. It's no. just about the, the moment uh, that you're reading about. And while it does, each story does build on each other... It's not a slave to what came before. No, like a not lot at of all. Stuff. Not at all. Like, is there continuity here? Absolutely. And I, I it's heavy it, continuity, but it's handled well enough that you only have to go as deep as you want. Right. I think of it a lot like Eric Powell's The Goon, where they are telling a story that builds over time, but you can pick up Goon Volume 5 and enjoy it just as much as if you picked up Goon Volume 1. Absolutely. Uh, I will say that there are also a couple of Hellboy um, trades called Weird Tales that are uh, Weird Tales was an anthology series that was other artists. Oh, right. Telling Hellboy stories. So they are independent of continuity. They're just a good sampling of the character and his world. Now, they are not by Mike Mignola. No. But. They're a ton of fun. They are great stories and fun to read. Now, I don't know if I would dip my toe into Hellboy there. I think I would start with some of the other stuff first. Sure. And if you love it, go read that stuff. But honestly, the real answer for me is go pick up the library editions. Start with number one and read through it. Because it, it's just going to pull you right in. This is some of the best horror comics ever written. Mm-hmm. And just seeing the evolution of Mike Magnola, the way that he drew the book and drew the characters, it's just so good. It's so damn good. I can't think of a better horror comic book. I agree. I absolutely say go pick up library edition uh, other than one. BPRD. Yeah. Which was, is basically Hellboy. Also great, pretty thick, and could also be scary to try and get into. But I have a feeling once you really dig into this, you're gonna go dig into the BPRD stuff yeah, too. And and I will say that like I got into Hellboy in advance of the first movie because we were working at a shop and we built a big Hellboy display and of course all the trades came back into print and they were all emblazoned with little stickers that say coming soon to theaters, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, I've never read Hellboy. I need to know what this is about. Right. And I could not stop reading until I got, a, I got caught up. I was sucked in immediately. It's such a rich world and so well told. And it's a rare thing these days to have such a singular vision and such a well-executed vision by a creator for something that he has created. And it's absolutely worth digging into. Don't be daunted by the length of time that it's been in print. It's very forgiving. It's very, um, it's not taxing in terms of like trying to keep track of everything. Just jump in and you will love it. Totally agree. Excellent question, Brian, by the way. And I really like the way it was worded because you knew <laughs> you knew he'd scream it. If you've given up on life and you're looking for a new comic series to take the pain away, even just for a little while, you can email us with the subject line, Comic Pushers, and tell us what you're into. What are you watching? What kind of books do you read? 
how do you take your tea, etc. And we'll have you chasing the comic dragon in no time. I'm your pushing. Sort of break it, break it down like this. And that does it for DJ's birthday extravaganza episode of THN. If you want to send Joey some B-Day love, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes or Stitcher, where you can give us the gift of a star rating and a written review or a Stitcher thumbs up to help us connect with other potential listeners. Thanks to all our past donors. And if you'd like to help keep us in giant Legion of Superheroes, birthday cakes, and Saturn Girl-themed strippers that jump out of them, you can make your donation in any amount using our adorable little PayPal button at twoeditednerd.com. I just gave away a you secret joke. of what's going to happen. You joke, but that got me going. That got me thinking. <laughs> While you're there, you can find links to our Twitter feed, at twoheadednerd, our email, twoheadednerd at gmail.com, our YouTube channel, THN Comicast, our Skype handle, twoheadednerd. Such our, as it is. And our new direct phone number, 402-819-4894, where you can send slash call us with your Ask a Nerd questions, ask the comic pushers what you should be reading, or ask us to review your self-published comic, be it printed, digital, whatever. Or you know what? Just give us a call. Give us a call. Say hey. So you know what? I listen to the show more, but I hate this part of it. I can't stand Joe's cartoony voice. Or whatever. You know, I mean, like, I really wish Joe would <laughs> stop rapping. <laughs> and don't forget to check out all of the new content from the THN Love Slaves at TwoHeadedNerd.com, including more ludicrous speed reviews from Aaron Myers featuring a ROM sketch by Brian Sharia or Chirilla, I don't know, that you have got to see to believe. It's amazing. It's really good. Remember to follow us on Twitter and like our Facebook page if you want to get in on the question of the week discussion. And if you want to hear our answers along with your own written and audio responses, be sure to check out the Answer of the Week podcast now featured in the Two Edit Nerd RSS feed, just like the regular show. Every Wednesday. Every Wednesday. Or Thursday, depending. It's a new comic book day treat from us to you. That's right. Next week, we'll make Reed Richards and Dr. Will Magnus look like morons when we play Ask a Nerd. So send us or call us with your comic-themed question or trivia challenge for our resident comic book oracle, Joe Patrick. Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to Michael and Sarah, who played the Klingon Commander Kang in the original Star Trek series, and Sarah passed away this week at the age of 91. Word to you, Commander Kang, and as the old Klingon proverb goes, great men do not seek power. It is thrust upon them! Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics, because a retailer just might kiss you on the mouth for it. This is the Two-Headed Nerd, signing off. You know, you really missed an opportunity by not making any Doctor Who jokes this week. Oh, yeah, because they're, they're announcing the new Doctor Who. announcing the new Doctor Who. We'll do it next week. But it'll, it'll ha- it's happening on the day this episode comes out. What are we going to do? You want to guess who it is? I don't know no British people other than Chris the British guy. I don't know. I think it's Chris. <laughs> I, Chris, I hope it's you. My vote is Chris the British guy. Mother Nature now, I bet. Cause you're cute.